0: Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Hello, fellow soloists. Now, look, my guest today is Catherine Maslin a naturopath, nutritionist, author and self-styled renegade in the area of personal health and well-being. As you'll hear, Catherine has decided to firmly step up into the expert space and we're going to explore why she chose this path and how the journey is going so far. Before we get started, let me tell you that support for this podcast comes from Sendle, the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendle.com forward slash flying solo to get free Sendle premium worth $120 a year, and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send. As a reminder, if you're listening via iTunes, we'd love you to post a brief review of the show. And of course, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook, or via the page this show has on flying solo okay enough of all that hello Catherine thank you so much for waiting patiently for us hello Robert so look it's good to have you here now um, as I said in the intro you your naturopath nutritionist um, somebody working in this sort of uh, I guess you say the alternative practitioner kind of space and not necessarily an area that's known for people that want to really kind of stand up and st- you know step up and stand out but you have you've made the decision a few years ago now to you know commit not an inconsiderable amount of money with with those W people at KPI key person of influence I'd love to kind of delve into your motivations for that and then we'll kind of move on to all well, you know what's your experience what are you getting out of it so why did you decide to commit to that kind of professional development?
0: I'd always been interested um, in things like media and I've always wanted to write a book, but really, I I really didn't know how. So I guess I always had it in me that I wanted to kind of be the front of my business, but it, quite strangely, I actually hid behind my business instead. So I've had my business for five years and I spent the first three of that literally actively trying to not let people know that I own the business. <laughs>
1: right, so to to the extent that you... Didn't have your name out the front. Is it, did you have other people working in your business, or how, how did that look?
0: That's right. So we've got a team of eight practitioners. We have okay. kind of swung between six and eight, mm-hmm. and it, I I was a practitioner in there, but I would never say, "Oh, this is my business." You oh, know, okay. this is what we're about.
1: Okay, so what was it then? What changed? You know, if you've got to a point where you've got to practice with six or eight others, you know, you're clearly things are kind of going okay. What was the kind of light bulb moment for you when you thought, you know what, I need to do this a bit differently? What what created that?
0: So there were a couple of motivations. I guess I matured enough and um, gained confidence enough in what I did that I had a voice and I had a message that I wanted to share and I was compelled by that. But the other thing as a business owner is when you are a service-based business and you have other practitioners working underneath you, it's very easy for them to develop a relationship with the patients and then leave and take them with them, Mm, um, which which has happened several times. So what I wanted to do is make our clients fall in love with the business and fall in love with me and our message and what we were about rather than the individual person.
1: Okay, great. So, And that's clearly is an, is an issue that does affect a lot of people, not just in your industry but in a number of others where they're bringing on someone else to deliver. So you've obviously had experience of that it's happened to you a few times as you say now one other point you mentioned there was that you kind of ran the business for a few years before you decided to make this so was it the um was it uh, more a, a matter of you growing in confidence as a business owner or was it the kind of slight irritation and annoyance that the model had kind of pitfalls in the way that you described
0: Little bit of both, but definitely there were big flaws in my model, um, and it's, it's been a huge learning curve to change that. But I'm definitely better off for it.
1: Okay. And did you, did you see someone else around? Did you look at other businesses, whether it's in Australia or overseas, in your business or other businesses that you thought, okay, I want a bit of that? I mean, what, what was do you remember the actual early stages of the path?
0: Not really. Um, there, there aren't really any other businesses in my space that I would say I particularly look up to. Um, in fact, if anything, the natural health industry can be a little bit stale and the changes that I'm making are, are really slow. I guess I've always had that drive to do things a little bit better. And the better we can run our business, the better outcomes our patients get. So that's my main motivation. And I guess I just wanted to make that investment because I thought having some help in that area and really getting what I needed and getting that knowledge would help me take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, okay. And tell me, were you, um, and you know, I don't want to turn this into necessarily a whole big kind of promo for KPI because there's obviously other people that work in that space or there's books on this area as well, but we both know the guys at KPI and they do a, a really good job. Was it, um, did you know exactly what you were looking for or was it, was it more a kind of an aha moment when you're, you read something, you saw something, you sat in a meeting? What was it? Do you remember the very time you thought, this is it, this is what I've been looking for?
0: So I'd done a little bit of business coaching pre-KPI and um, for me it was I went to one of their events and I thought these guys are tight like <laughs> they were just really professional um, their speakers really knew their stuff and e- every person that, speak, that spoke strung a chord with me and I was okay. like whoa um, yeah like I really need these mentors to kind of help me take it through.
1: Okay and do you think that that um was it was it important that you'd done that kind of pre-work so that you know they say that uh, when the need is right the person appears um or a phrase similar to that so is that kind of how it was for you had you had you done the groundwork and then wallop you know they just right right time right place
0: I think so. I think some of the concepts that I learned certainly helped, but I, I could have easily done KPI twelve months ago before mm. my previous business coach and got just as much value and saved a bit of time. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so now you've done it, this was a year ago that you went through it and say so we'll we'll come back and sort of look into it a little bit more detail in a moment. How has it uh how's it changed you as a person that's the first thing so here you are initially in a business with a number of practitioners to a degree sort of shying away from being front of house now quite the reverse so what does it feel like for you and how's it changed you as an individual before we go into your business
0: it's been huge for me actually it's Hmm. been um the biggest thing that I've really gotten out of this is is clarity and clarity about why, why I'm doing what I'm doing, what kind of impact I want to make in the world and how that actually looks. And because I've got that clarity, our products that we're offering, um, our clients are better, our team members are attracted to a better thing. Everything just runs more congruently. And I feel like for the first time ever, my business is in flow because I'm in flow because I know what the hell I'm doing finally.
1: Okay, well, that's, that's lovely to hear. But was there was there a time? Did you ever get that little voice in your head? And maybe you still do that saying, you know, who am I to say this? Who am I to stand up and do this? Did that? Or did that come naturally to you? Did you step into that space with confidence kind of from the get go?
0: No, I think we all get a bit of imposter syndrome um, where we have these little voices in our heads that tell us, you know, that, that we can't step up. But for me personally, like that's a challenge to step through that. Um, so there have been times where I've thought that and definitely there still are. I'm doing a lot of things that are outside of my comfort zone, but you've just got to push through it.
1: Okay. What sort of things are you doing?
0: Um, I'm doing a little bit, quite a lot of radio interviews at the moment. Okay. Um, quite a lot of media stuff and some speaking and some bigger speaking engagements that I haven't done before so I'm just pushing the boundaries a little bit all
1: right and how do you how do you feel when you're going not towards you know you seem totally comfortable and confident today but if you're going out to a big speaking event does that is that not something you're used to is it something you look forward to when you see it in your diary
0: It's something I look forward to but it's also something that I spend a lot of preparation on um, because, you know, obviously I want to get it right and um, the bigger crowds that you start speaking for, I guess it's just stepping it up a little bit and making sure that your message is clear and I'm getting across what I want to.
1: Mm. And what is your message when you're speaking? Is it, uh, I'm assuming it's not direct kind of selling your business. I, I know it won't be. So how do you approach it when you have an opportunity to speak What's your sort of thought process? What do you go through in order to create the content?
0: So my process is just wondering, well, what what do the people that are sitting in front of me need to know? And I'm very practical based. So I'm speaking on things, for instance, on stress management and using juicing for health and things like that. So my big thing is really making sure the content is engaging and making sure I'm really giving people some easy takeaway gems. And also I really like to challenge people on what they think they know. Um, So I spend a bit of time on that.
1: Hmm, Okay. And you're clearly, um, I'm sure this isn't the right phrase within your industry, but you're clearly not on the tools anymore. You're not, uh, I imagine, doing a a great deal of individual one-on-one practice yourself.
0: Not a lot. I'm, I'm still doing a little bit, and I think I always will just to keep, keep my hand in it a little bit. I do enjoy seeing patients one on one, but definitely not as much as I used to. No, okay.
1: So at the moment, though, it's not, you know, it's the, it can be particularly, uh, I remember speaking with a number of designers where they end up kind of running the business and not doing the thing they love, which is designing. But at the moment, for you, it sounds like you're having such fun in this new sort of space and new challenges that it doesn't concern you too much.
0: No, that's right. And there's many different ways to do things. I don't need to do traditional one-on-ones to really keep amongst it. So, you know, I do things like running workshops and facilitating webinars and just things to keep in contact with the clients.
1: Yeah, okay. So somebody then who, I mean, have you had much feedback from customers? I'm thinking particularly of people that perhaps came to your practice pre this transition and after. Do you notice, do you get different feedback? kind of feedback from people? And if so, what's that been like?
0: It's actually been a bit of a mixed bag. So we're, we're offering memberships, which is completely unknown in our industry, so mm. that we've got heaps and heaps of raving fans and people that love it, but it has been a little bit rocky in that transition. And part of that was just getting our message right, getting our marketing right, kind of right through our processes. Um, but overall, the the response has been really, really great.
1: And do, so do you think that, um, I mean, I, I recall... Um, something I was reading a while ago that when you whenever we go through a big sort of change in our business particularly one as kind of pivotal as the one you've gone through we sort of need to be prepared for the fact that people around us relationships around us are going to change Um, and that sounds like that's been your experience is there anything that kind of in hindsight you know I know we're only a year out but in hindsight that you know now that had you known then you might have transitioned in any way differently? (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's it's so true. Every everything changes. I mean, and that's the nature of change, isn't it? Mm. Like it's gonna it's gonna be different. I think it's it's preparation. So I'm a am um, a creative profile. Like I, I like to get stuff done really quickly. So I have the idea and I want to implement it really fast. So my um, the biggest thing that I kind of got wrong is that I rolled it out too quickly, didn't have enough of my back end marketing sorted out to support it. It freaked my staff out a little bit because obviously right. they're not all like me. Um, so for me it's you know just having that preparation and planning out every single step that actually brings that person person into your new model
1: okay so and again it's not unusual for people to operate like you do and we're in very much in a as kind of business environment now where it's kind of put it out there and kind of work it out in detail a bit later um, so that's one thing you're saying that maybe what you might have done is is added a little bit more into that pre-stage but particularly by the sounds of it talking to those people around you and that's often the thing isn't it when we change is the impact it can have on those around us
0: That's right. And it's something I'm I'm now hyper aware of, because my, you know, I just feel sorry for my staff sometimes where there's a lot of change and a lot of um, innovation happening. And not everyone is a change innovator type of person.
1: No, So do you do you handle that in any particular way with your staff? I mean, do you involve them more now, perhaps in the in the in the process that you run? What any strategies that you've introduced into your business?
0: Yeah, I do. So now if I'm if we're, if we're launching something new, I involve them right from the very start. I say, "Hey, I've got this idea. What do you guys think? What do you think we, it should include?" So they're actually part of the creation a little bit more, which means then they've got that ownership of it and it just takes that fear away from it.
1: And how do you do that? And is that like a locked door and you um you all sit around in a circle or literally how do you do it?
0: Well, we might post it on our, our private Facebook group and go, hey, oh, okay. what do you guys think of this? Um, we have weekly staff meetings where we're discussing things constantly. So it might be in that format as well.
1: Okay. All right. And now you've, through this process with KPI, you've also written a book. What's the title of your book?
0: Get Well, Stay Well, Reclaim Your Health and Get Back to Living.
1: Excellent. And so what was that process like? Have you written a book before? No,
0: I haven't. Okay. I haven't written
1: How it. did you find that process?
0: Um, it was it was excellent. Like it was it was difficult um, and challenging, but at the same time, it's you think that the stuff you don't know isn't valuable until you actually download it out of your brain and put it into a book. And the feedback I've had from people is just phenomenal. Um, but it's stuff that I didn't even have to research. The bulk of the book is just straight from my head onto paper. Um, so it's been a fantastic.
1: Hmm. And what process did you use? Did you block out time? Did you lock yourself away in a beachside shack for a month or what was the process you used to get this book out of your head
0: that would have been nice. I might do that for the next book. Um, so, as part of the key person of influence program, um, there's a publish module, and we did a thirty thousand word challenge as a group. Okay, so I knocked out half the book in that time, and then I just I just kind of bunkered down. I guess um, at, after my daughter was asleep at night, I would do some writing. We went on a cruise, and I spent a day writing. So I just tried to cram it in whenever I could.
1: Okay, and and what period of time was it that you actually wrote the book?
0: Three months. Hmm,
1: that's pretty good. And
0: then another couple of months for editing, and yeah, hmm. yeah.
1: And how has life changed now that you're an author?
0: It's a lot. It's really different. <laughs> I guess people people just approach you differently. So I, do, like I was saying, I do quite a lot of media. If I'm approaching someone with a media story, it's since I've become an author and not just a naturopath and nutritionist, I'll get much more uptake on that and interest. Um, people will email me or follow me on Instagram and say oh I read your book and this thing was really helpful and it's just it's just a nice feeling you're helping people but people that are on a larger scale rather than just one-on-one
1: yeah okay and um you mentioned media a few times so what's your your kind of media strategy do you have somebody that works with you on that or do you run that yourself
0: I um, have a company called Media Stable that I engage um, and I do a little bit of work through them. I've also got quite a few journalists that I work with um, that contact me for articles for Wellbeing and Good Health magazine and that type of thing. And um, I use Source Bottle a lot. And if any of you business owners don't, it's a fantastic resource, Mm. Um, particularly if you're an author. It helps (laughs) definitely to get that response rate. Um, And I also do quite a lot of radio stuff too.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, yeah, we had Beck Darrington on the podcast a while ago and. Um, people can listen to that one and get full information on how that works so that's great so now I mentioned at the beginning that the commitment and you don't need to mention figures but the commitment to the program that you went through the KPI it's it's not insubstantial quite a bit of money to do that did you um and ah about that for long or did you go you know what this is it I've got to do this
0: I I just knew I had to do it but to be honest I'd do it again Okay. I, I, yeah, <laughs> if I had another business, I, I'd go through it. I'd pay it in a in a heartbeat. Like you, you'll make that back. I think we've already made that back with revenue easily.
1: Mm. And before you got into, if I can just take us back in time a little bit, before you were working in your own business uh, as a naturopath and all the work that you do, what was your what role did, were you playing then? What where, what were you doing?
0: You mean before I before you started
1: another- your own business? Yeah,
0: um, I was working in another practice. Okay. just for somebody else so just as a contractor
1: okay so and did that give you was that a useful sort of learning period is that where you kind of got the uh the idea or the dream of doing your own thing
0: I think since I graduated I always wanted to have my own business but certainly it was a big help um but it also allowed me to see what was missing and what was wrong as well by working in a couple of different practices
1: hmm. okay all right and um did you, in your sort of previous life, before you started your own business, has professional development, if I can use that phrase, has that always been a kind of a key component for you? Like, does that kind of course through the veins of Catherine Maslin or, or is it a fairly new discovery?
0: It's, I would say it's fairly new. Um, most of my learning in early business was through trial and error, like most right. of us, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't look back. Um, I have a coach at the moment that I use and I'm still engaged with KPI, doing some stuff with them. So I think it's a really valuable asset. And for me as a solopreneur, I don't have a business partner and my partner's not involved in the business. It's just me. So it's good mm. to have that support. Mm,
1: okay. So if you, were, if you met somebody now and you sort of saw within them the, um, the flicker of the flame of an expert... What would you say to that person to, to consider kind of stepping up? What would you say to them to get that flame kind of flaring the way that yours has?
0: I think getting support is, is utmost. You know, do KPI, um, I'd say, or something similar. I don't think there's anything as good. Okay. <laughs> it's, you know, but, but getting some support somehow or even meeting with other successful business owners, you know, and having some accountability and just chatting through some stuff. Like it's not good on your own. You need to have other people to feedback off.
1: Yeah, okay. And, and where, do we see, where should we see your business in a few years, do you think? Where, now that you've had this taste, you're absolutely riding a gorgeous wave at the moment. Where do you see this all heading in a few years' time?
0: So, we are now Australia's only membership-based health practice. So, the next 18 months is really going to be spent refining that, packaging it up um, and then looking at actually going into other practices and showing them how to do it. So, um, that's where I'm headed in the next three years or so.
1: Mm. So, that's what's selling the membership concept to other naturopaths or across other different modalities as well?
0: Yeah, it'd be multi-modality clinics.
1: Mm. That's a nice idea, isn't it? And so that's all come out of you stepping up and getting into this space yourself. That's right. So it's given you a whole new perspective on future business. Yep. Very nice. Okay. Well, look. As uh, I don't think I need to say it, but I'm going to anyway. As you've heard through this show, Catherine is a graduate of KPI, key person of influence. Um, Coming up soon are their one-day business accelerators that are designed to help business owners unlock more value from the experience, ideas and intellectual property that's already in their business or already in their head, probably. And uh, we'll include a link to their fine work in the notes that accompany this podcast. And once again, support for this podcast comes from Sendle, the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendel.com forward slash flying solo to get free Sendal Premium worth $120 a year, and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send. So, Catherine Maslin, if we want to find out more about you, it's Catherine with a K, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, M A S L E N dot ncom So, Catherine, thanks so much for spending your time with Flying Solo. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes.